London. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome in. Miller and Condon here on a Tuesday, Des Moines Sports Station 106.3 KXNO. It's Trent Condon and Ken Miller, and we're with you up until noon. Thanks for joining us here on a sun-drenched Tuesday in the capital city. BMW of Des Moines guest list looks like this. Bottom of the hour on Tuesdays, we kind of focus on the regionals. Uh, of their NFL teams, and today being no different, uh, Dave Sinekin, uh, he'll come up second. Jeff Hughes from DeBears Blog will be first. Boy, it seems like it's been a while since we saw those Bears. I guess it kind of has. Yes. Playing on Thursday. Almost a week. Yeah, almost a week. Uh, but Jeff Hughes will join us to kick off the NFL conversation. Then Dave Sinekin on those Green Bay Packers. At 11.05, timing is everything. And Mike Palm from Circus Sports is a Notre Dame grad and uh, does... Uh, he has a show on Vissen uh, out in Las Vegas, and of course it's Circus Sports. So Mike Palm uh, will join us at eleven oh five. Before uh, who else? Pete Futek, correct? You got it. CollegeFootballNews.com will join us. All the coaching changes, previewing some of the college football conference championships. That'll come up about eleven twenty five. Uh, we'll recap the Hawks. Hair on fire win last night in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. What a fun game that was to kick off a Monday uh, of sports watching and also get in, obviously, to the um, the college football world, which continues to, I don't know if it's for the betterment of the game, but it's certainly changing the game, and it's how these coaches are getting paid. And, man, what a crazy 48 hours. Who would have thought, even just a few years ago, the guys in good standing? Mm-hmm. On the precipice of the third bid in four years for Notre Dame, leaves for LSU. Yeah, and leaves his kids high and dry. Lincoln Riley leaves Oklahoma, a blue blood, to go to USC. Another blue blood, but one that's kind of, you know, not uh, at the level, obviously, that they can be or have been. Different, certainly. And I I think the biggest of the news, because... You can talk yourself into the Lincoln Riley with the oh, without a change. doubt, yeah, absolutely. You, it makes a lot more uh-huh. sense. The Brian Kelly one, you have to dig a little deeper. First of all, you're going to the SEC, mm-hmm. and particularly the SEC West, the SEC West, which is a whole nother animal. Yeah, unless you have Joe Burrow. And what does the SEC West look like now oh, with God. Texas and Oklahoma? Right now, how did the division change? What uh-huh. did they shift? What happens there? But you know, ultimately. I believe LSU is going to be part of the West Mm -hmm. with Alabama. So you have that. But look at the last two coaches that won national championships at LSU. Right. Les Miles, who is a weird duck. Yeah, and Ed Orgeron, who's even a weirder weirder duck. But he's a native duck. He's a native, yes. From the swamps. Right, born in the bayou. But these two guys are not guys that I would think in the coaching fraternity people look at and say, Boy, those guys are great coaches. No, one grazes on grass, for God's sakes. Right. So, for Brian Kelly, he has taken this Notre Dame team as far as he believes I it can. I think so. And Trent, here's the thing. Go, it, it, you can go back to the November, and there was a little smoke coming that maybe this was time for a change with him. Yeah, and there was talk of the NFL. Uh-huh. That was a part of it. That was a big part. A lot of people connecting dots there and 
places that would make sense, organizations that would make sense. The Bears, I know, were talked about mm-hmm. at one point. Uh, the Giants, if they pull the plug very quickly, you know, those kind of things. Kind of the old guard, if you will, of the NFL. And those are a lot of the organizations. Not going to Jacksonville or pro, you know organization right. like that. But a program like that made sense. But you're right. There were murmurs out uh-huh. there. Ultimately, for Brian Kelly, he wants to win a national championship. And for Sean Roberts and the rest of the Notre Dame fans, this yeah. shows you right. that in today's college football, tough. unless something changes, yep. you can't win nope. a national championship nope. at Notre Dame. You can't. That's what Brian Kelly said with this move. He doesn't believe he can win a national championship he, at Notre Dame. That's true. You can get there and you can play for it, mm-hmm. as he's done, but it's hard to get back. And you're right. They've been in the playoffs, so they've, you know, they're, they're on the precipice. But, look, I don't care where you are. You need a quarterback. And if you don't have the right quarterback, you're, you're up against it. Um, I'm assuming, I don't know this for sure, but I'm assuming that the academic criteria has not been relaxed at Notre Dame? It has a little bit. Has it? Yeah. I, uh, was but listening. not to the extent that some places? Exactly. Right. Yeah, it's still different. And some of the other differences. There's no dorm for football players or uh-huh. athletes. In fact, you can't even room with the guy you got to know during the recruiting process. Your freshman year at Notre Dame, you have to be roommates in your dorm, a normal dorm, yeah. with Goober <laughs> from... from from Valparaiso, Indiana. I mean, that, that's you are just put with the general population. For years, Cooper. they were not able to have a training table. Mm-hmm. They had to eat with students. And you're practicing late in the evening, mm-hmm. and there were times that, oh, sorry, shut down. You're an offensive lineman. you got to put down eight, <laughs> ten thousand 10,000 calories a day. Sorry, here's some apples. So <laughs> we got left here because everything's been shut down because there's no hot dish left. Sorry, this is what you're going to It's a different place. And though... Things have relaxed, and they've allowed Kelly, because of the success that he's had and what he's done, to relax some of those guys that maybe in the past would not have gotten in Notre Dame, but it's still a completely different level. Can you enroll early at Notre Dame? I mean, not that we see kids leaving high school and making... We always see some. Sure, yeah. Um, you know, Allen at Wisconsin's had a pretty good run. Since, but they're, they're, can you enroll? I don't I'm think you sure. can. Okay, so you got to wait until So there's the another one, yeah. right. There's another strike against you. You can't be there for spring practice. Um, look, obviously the, the story has a, a tie to it, maybe. Right. Although, you know, we said yesterday, Trent, during this, about this time... That if Campbell's going to leave, it just feels like South Bend is the destination he's going to leave to. Mm-hmm. And yet, you know, in a matter of hours, literally six hours later, that job comes open. But it doesn't feel like it's time. Well, and the other part is... There's there, there's more people that are throwing their hat in the ring. And it's a tough sell right now. It is. Off of seven and five. Mm-hmm. They saw Matt Campbell a couple of years ago in a bowl game. And that's the taste in the mouth of that sure. shellacking, shellacking yeah. that they took down yeah. in Orlando. Right. That's what, all right, he was 7-5 and five last mm-hmm. year when he had expectations for the first time. Mm-hmm. And we saw that program, and it wasn't very good. We throttled mm-hmm. him. When, for our standards, we weren't very good. Right. We very well could be the only non-playoff team of the last four years mm-hmm. from Notre Dame. And that team whooped you up know, on and that, And that's the other thing about the whole Brian Kelly thing that just, just makes your blood boil a little bit. I mean, his team might be in the playoff, right? Yeah. Depending how things work out mm-hmm. this weekend, they're on the cusp. They're on the cusp. They're on the cusp. They're going to be five or six here tonight. You would anticipate, mm-hmm. and they don't need a whole bunch of things to go their go their way to get in. Not like a Baylor or maybe an Iowa. Right. Baylor looks like a better chance or um, to get in if if indeed there is 
the carnage that there, you know, that some speculate there might be. But to leave his kids hanging dry when they're going to go to a playoff? And the recruiting thing is just, it's not good for college football. I don't care what anybody says. And I don't know how you can stop it because the recruiting, the signing period's been moved up. Mm -hmm. If you're going to your next job, you know what? You're looking at your next job. You want to succeed at your next job. You've essentially thrown your current job under the bus. This leads to when they came up with this rule, they wanted two signing days. College basketball has multiple signing Uh days. College football wanted to have the same. And I was with many people that said, put it before the school year. So many kids now have made their decision even before Mm -hmm. their senior year begins. So say the date's August 15th. That that is the first signing day. And talk about a lead-in. We're talking about August. Oh, jeez. We get a signing day then when there's not a whole lot going on. We're talking August baseball and leading into football. Mm -hmm. But you get that. Think of what that would do and the excitement it would generate for college football. But the coaches kicking and screaming and didn't want to do that on and on and on. Because look at what this has led to. And you're exactly right. Everybody now wants to make a move. Look at what happened in season. How many coaches were fired in season? 20-something. And something we've never seen before in college football. And a big reason Mm -hmm. is just that. It's because we got to get our signing class. we got to get the next coach here. So USC, all right, we know... It's over for Clay Help. Re-recruit the kids that have already yep. said that they're going to come and, and, and play for us. Re-recruit them and see what else is out there before A, B, and C decide to go down a similar path. Notre Dame plays for the playoff, and who knows who's going to coach him? Jack Swarbrick, their AD, said he will not hire an interim uh, head coach. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean that he's waiting? Does that mean that uh, until January, when's, the, when's week 18? Uh, January, January 8th. January 8th, 8th, 8th yeah. whatever. So is he waiting for... Urban Meyer to be done at that point, or is he waiting for Luke Fickle to get mm-hmm. knocked out of the playoff by Georgia? It just doesn't feel like this is Matt Campbell's time at Notre Dame. And I still think this is his dream job. I do. Sure. I mean, he's Catholic. Mm-hmm. He's from that part of the Midwest. There, there's a lot of boxes that you check, but timing doesn't seem like it's one of them. And it's a tough sell. For Notre Dame. Yeah, for those reasons you just said, 7-5 and five, and the fact that two years ago they pounded Matt Campbell's team. If you're looking for the best national name to know following the Matt Campbell stuff, it's Dennis Dodd. He is pretty good. Den- Dennis Dodd and Matt Campbell. That's Matt Campbell's guy. Mm-hmm. Anything that is floating. Think back to this summer when we found out that the Lions offered him a billion dollars. Where did that story come from? Dennis Dodd. Mm-hmm. Every coach, and certainly coaches that don't have a real agent, they have a guy in the national media that they go to, and it could be anywhere from the Pete Thamels of the world, and you see him break a lot of news. But for him, for Matt Campbell... On behalf at, of the head coach. Yes, look at every national story, those kind of things that have come out, it's Dennis Dodd. Mm-hmm. That is the guy I would pay attention to the most out of all the national people. It's interesting. There. I didn't realize that. Obviously, he's in Kansas City. Is he not? Dennis Dodd's based in the Midwest. I think so, yeah. I, I believe. Uh, covers the Big 12. He's always at the Big 12 uh, football media days. Uh, interesting. I'll have to pay attention to that. I was not aware. But you're right that every coach has a national mm-hmm. media guy, whether he wants to break a story or plant a story or needs help. Yep. Um, they, they've got that guy. Look back. Dennis Dodd has been the guy for Matt mm-hmm. Campbell with those Stories and those mm-hmm. contract extensions and everything, Dodd has been the guy. So he's the one to pay attention to. Mm-hmm. I think out of all the national media, I think the the source, if you will, is tighter with Dodd as opposed to with Thamel or something Well, like look, that. the Virginia Tech stuff, and there was national media that was running with that. I thought it was absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Why was he going there for? Right. Uh, could I see him get a call at LSU? Probably. He, I'm told that they absolutely got a call 
um, at, at USC. In fact, after or the uh, at Washington rather, after USC made their splash headline, apparently there was a full court press for Matt Campbell. A full court press um, without with- Lincoln Riley. I think right now Matt Campbell's in L.A. Well, so, so does the L.A. Times. If yeah. you read yesterday's story, I, I get it that newspapers aren't you know 100% right, but I this is the L.A. Times, and Brady McCullough's pretty tuned into these things. So, um, yes, I agree with you I, that uh, if it wasn't Lincoln Riley, Matt Campbell's probably, you know, it was his press conference yesterday. But it's not. He's still in names, which is certainly good. Uh, for you Cyclone fans out there. We'll see how it plays out. I just don't think timing-wise that this is, that it lines up for Campbell to go to uh, to go to Notre Dame. Luke Fickle, hot name. Got his team in the playoff. They I still got to beat Houston. They do. That's that's a good point. Watch and, out for Holgo. And uh, the number's what, 10? 10 and a half, yeah. Open to 12, so it's come down a little bit. Uh, a couple of calls real quick. I do want to get to Iowa and Virginia. That yes. was a hell of a game last night. That was night. a lot of fun. How about Patrick McCaffrey? Get this out of here. That was a hell of a play at the end. Uh, and Toussaint making that shot. Bob first, then Anthony. Bob, what's on your mind? How are you? Good. I'll, I'll ask you two fast questions and take the answers off the air. Okay. How many college coaches are making more than NFL coaches? No more and, and more the second every day. One is, and the second one is, Kenny, you might know this. What are guys in the CFL making for a living? Uh, I don't know the answer, but it is a fraction, Bob, and thanks for the call. A fraction of, um, if I had to guess, a CFL coach probably makes a hundred thousand, not million. (laughs) (laughs) And and Matt's not my strong suit if you listen to yesterday's show. They're Um, not getting Lincoln Riley money. They're not getting Lincoln Riley show. They're not getting offensive coordinator money. Yeah. No, they're not getting FCS money. Uh, the uh, look at the, there's more college football coaches making more than NFL coaches now. That number has grown appreciably within the last couple of weeks. Got a list here of the top paid NFL coaches this year: Belichick at twelve and a half, mm-hmm. Pete Carroll at eleven, Sean Payton nine point eight, Harbaugh nine, Matt Rule eight and a half, McVay also eight and a half, Tomlin eight, Reed eight, Arians eight. And number 10 is Rivera at 7. And then it drops pretty quickly. Cliff Kingsbury's number 11 on this list. He's at For 5.5. now. Yeah, yeah, that's about to change. Right. But we, we've just seen a couple of coaches you know, break the $9 million barrier within the last 48 hours. Right. So there's more college coaches uh, that are surpassing. Now, they're not a Belichick level, but then again, he's got some... Uh, he's a run out of fingers <laughs> to hold his rings on one of his hands. Uh, Anthony's next. Hello, Anthony. Hey, uh, everybody, you know, surprised on this LSU. I mean, maybe not just surprised, but just the whole move for Brian Kelly. But if you look at the big scheme of things, and you guys might have mentioned this, you know, recruiting is going to be easier. Everybody's like, it's going to be so much harder in LSU. No. It's not. Not even close. Nope. I mean, Notre Dame, you have to have a certain grade point. You have to have a certain this, certain that. And hopefully you get the right kid. But with LSU, you can you can really scale down and, and really get some good players in there. I'm thinking he's going to get in a situation where LSU is going to be competitive for a few years. And I think it's going to happen very quickly. Anthony, I think, and, and this might not be fair to LSU, I think if you can fog up a mirror, you can get into LSU. Uh, thanks for the call, Anthony. I appreciate it. I agree with you wholeheartedly. Eight of the top players in Louisiana have committed to LSU and were committed before the season. Mm-hmm. They haven't had a coach now for a month and a half. Yeah. And all eight of them Stayed. are still committed to LSU. That is where you want to play. You're a Louisiana Compare kid. And contrast that to Oklahoma, right? We got everybody rats off a sinking ship there. Mm-hmm. How quickly it changes. You're from Louisiana, a great talent hotbed. Yeah. You want to play 
for LSU. Right. Didn't matter who they brought in, and they brought in a guy that can coach. Mm-hmm. They're going to get dudes. Yeah. They're going to be able to do it at an incredibly high level. Recruiting Multiple championships right in the in the SEC West, uh, LSU. It's a great state. And Nick Saban, 70. Nick Saban, 70. That's a good point. And this team is not a vintage no. Alabama team. No. They're young. Mm-hmm. They'll be better. Mm-hmm. But how much longer? Yeah. This Anderson's something, though. Yes, he is. And did you hear what Saban said about him yesterday? He said he's the most dominant player he's had. And I'm paraphrasing, but he put him at the top of the list, and they've sent some guys to the NFL on the defensive side of the ball. All right, Iowa uh, and Virginia, did you think they were going to blow it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, they did blow yeah, it. They did, they yeah, gave, they gave they up the lead. They did. 71-70, and uh, here we mm-hmm. go. But making plays late in the game. And, and Tucson, of course, people are going to talk about the high bank shot, high off the glass to <laughs> it went. prove to be the game winner. But just his floor game in general. I didn't think we were going to see this level of Joe Tucson. Mm-hmm. Coming into the year, that was my main concern. I thought ultimately it was going to lead to either Aaron Euless surpassing him mm-hmm. or go back to your old blankie. Yeah. Here's J-Bo. Did you hear J-Bo Here's, after the game last mm-hmm. night talking about Joe Tucson? He's, yes. he's our point guard. He's our point guard. Right. He is saying the right things, uh-huh. doing the right things, and they are playing the right way. No uh, turnovers. Look at his contribution last Trent, they had four turnovers as a team against yeah. Bennett's defense. And this is not a vintage Virginia team. This but is not, still, they locked yes, you down, and they absolutely. played the defensive style. And they only turned the ball over four times. That was remarkable. It absolutely was. This team, of course, as they always are, incredibly high level offensively Mm -hmm. defensively they can cause some problems but boy that zone defense and the corner Mm. threes as they go seven of nine in the second half felt like every single one of them outside of uh the step back three late that gave them the lead back virginia lead back they were from the corner it was the other murray that just kept hitting time Mm -hmm. and time and time i don't know what it is because coming into the year you thought okay there's more athleticism to this team Garza was not good defensively. You get Bohanna, you can hide him a little bit more off the ball as he's playing the two position. You can do some things. and They were going to be better, and they are better defensively, but they're not good by any means. And this is just what it's going to be. That's ultimately coaching. That's ultimately when this zone continually gives up these corner threes. It doesn't matter the length they have, and good defenders on the ball with the size of Patrick. You're right. This is the last time they're going to see that. Chris and Keegan, yeah. yeah. There's going to be... Everybody in the Big Ten knows how you yep. beat Iowa. You get the ball to the corner, and you hit open threes. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be their time in and time out. Plus this year, with how they are built, they're not big inside. they got some length, but the, Rebracha, I thought, played really well with at With the times. exception of his free throws. Yeah, and that's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, is this the biggest environment he's ever played in his oh, career? Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, there's not a Summit League style. Now, I don't know where he was before he came over to the States. Right, yeah, yeah but there, this is an environment he's probably never seen mm-hmm. before. I. Without him, though, they would have been punished yeah. inside. Yeah. And they no, got the he big had a big role trouble. last night. No question. Yeah. Yes, the missed free throws were frustrating, yeah. but they need him. They need Rebraca. Yeah. Goes back to what we said. Jack Nungy was still on this team. They're a lock oh, NCAA boy. tournament team. Yeah, Because I agree. they don't have a whole lot of depth in there. Chris Murray? Huge. He's coming, huh? Yes, huge. Better Absolutely. Shoot, better shooter than Keegan. He is. And you couple that with, you can see the skills. Sometimes, still, he doesn't have the same playing mm-hmm. time. Things are a little too fast for him at times, but overall, you can see that skill set develop. And now, expectations are changing. These next three games very well could bring them right back. Right. In yeah, fact, next up. four. Purdue, Illinois, Iowa State. And Utah State after that up in South Dakota is pretty good themselves. Mm. These next four. You get a split. You go 2-2 two and two in this stretch. 
Yeah, this is an NCAA tournament team. Well, I think he can go there. Could could if you forgot to pick and choose, can we have the next two in the win column? Put those two, get out <laughs> to a two and zero start for the first time ever, right? Yes, when they go to these December games. Be. Yep. I think at best they went one and one. one. They've right. had a lot of 0 and twos. A bunch of them. Illinois and last it doesn't night set up them. well. Yeah, no, I didn't see much of it. I saw enough of it to have a bit of an opinion, but they kind of rolled in that game. They did. Notre Dame's not great by mm-hmm. any means. It was. I'm still not overly impressed. I thought they'd be further along than they are right now. Corbello continues to be head scratching mm-hmm. at times. Kofi is what he is. He just, yeah. yeah, of course, when he's wide open, he can dunk. He's really good, and he uses that size. But when a double team comes. There's times he just doesn't look like he has a clue what to do with it. He's going to turn it over, turn into a guy with an offensive foul. He's got problems there. Not having Dusumu is huge. a huge, huge problem right yep. now. Yep, absolutely. And he was a second-round pick. Just shows you oh, what it geez. takes to go from one level to the next. Uh, so, as we get set to segue to our regional teams in the uh, NFL, boy, it sure seems like uh, if you're a fan of the Seattle Seahawks, your, your run is over um, because your quarterback, I get he hasn't been the same since he broke his, his thumb or his finger. Thumb, right? Yeah. Um, hasn't been the same. It doesn't look like he's long for Seattle, and neither is the head coach. This is not a playoff team. I think that sealed it last night. My takeaway from the game, watching Monday Night Football, I love this Taylor Heineke story. Yeah. He really is. I mean, the kid had one offer out of high school. One offer. Had his pro day. One coach showed up. <laughs> his his current offensive coordinator. That was it. I mean, it's not like this kid's... You think about him, you think he's 22, 23 years old. He's 28. You're right, yeah. He's been around he's for a been while. been around. Old Dominion kid. Right. That was his only offer. Old Dominion. Has a pro day, one guy shows up. <laughs> the coordinator for the football team. Levy was doing so well. Made it the entire game till his, till his farewell, till his sign-off at the end. And so that'll do it. The... Former name. Oh. <laughs> he made it the whole night. Oh, no. Right. And you can tell. I mean, it takes something... To, to try and stay away for the, to uh, identify them as the football team. Well, a uh, busy night in sports. I mean, it never takes a night off, does it? No, it's great. It truly is. Truly is. My God, that Iowa-Virginia game, that final few minutes was just hair on fires. They're trying to hang on. That 21 zip. Nothing. Yeah, what, was the, what was the first half number? Do you know? Uh, I think it was one. So, Cause I, yeah. Because yeah. the game went off of what, two? Two, yeah. Whew. <laughs> Just what, now, what was the what was the second half number? Uh, three and a half. Was it? Yeah. <sighs> what and a fun game! In line total was ten and a half at the time. Of course, was I would, didn't cover that. Yeah, but got the win, and that's ultimately Absolutely. all. They're that seven it is. and zero. I don't know if Virginia ultimately is an NCAA tournament team. I'd say probably not mm-hmm. at this point. But they're still going to be okay. Yeah, it's still a road win. It's like yeah. you know, going on the road and beating a Rutgers, a Minnesota. You know, it's. It's a decent win. It's not going to take you and vault you to the tournament, but it's a step in the right direction. Mm-hmm. They went on the road. They handled adversity with a new group and did it well. Yep. And if Toussaint keeps playing at this level mm. and Bohannon can have those nights, yep. here's the other thing, too. You know, Sanford played three minutes. That was it. And you know, and he had a nice block in the game, and he had an open look that I don't know how it didn't go down. He's going to have games, though, that he's going to put 15 on the board. Yeah, There's going to be nights that, yep. that he's going to be shooting that well. He's going to do that even in the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. He is that kind of player. Chris Murray, the development continues out of him. There's a lot to be excited about. But this next four games, get two and two. Yeah. You get two and two. Sign for two and two right now, wouldn't you? Yes, yeah. absolutely. You, you want one the of them to be in the Big Ten. Right. Yeah. You, want one of, you want to win one of the next two and you pick. Purdue on Friday, Illinois on Monday. Uh, that's a little salty. Right. 
number two team in the country. Right. Purdue's been a house of horrors for yeah. Iowa. Outside of, remember watching it with Tom Caker on the way back from the Rose Bowl. Where is that what you were yeah, doing? 2016, and we're watching on my phone as we're walking through the airport <laughs> nice. as Iowa pulled off that huge upset against the Boilers. But outside of that... I haven't met a whole lot of wins in Mackey throughout Trent, the Trent, I'm hearing uh, from a number of Hawkeye fans that are pulling the double dip this weekend. Yes, yeah. Well, what a, what a, I mean, it couldn't have worked out any better, right? Mm-hmm. West Lafayette for Friday night for Iowa and Purdue, and then Saturday night downtown Indianapolis for the Big Ten Championship. If you're going, if you didn't go in 2015, it's an environment that is very difficult to describe. I've been to all kinds of bowl games, and they're fun, mm-hmm. and they're on different levels. Yep. And, you get together. But the way Indianapolis is, the way that the city is built, and how everything is surrounding Lucas Oil Stadium, mm-hmm. it's it's incredible. You don't have that in Tampa. Yeah, you got a group over in Ebor no, City. Yeah. Orange Bulls, no, not even You close. know the only place you have it, Trent? Elmo Bowl? That would be one. That's pretty good. And the Sugar Bowl. Yes, yes. Smaller city, too, on top right. of it, kind of the way that it is. But mm-hmm. it's just, it's an environment... And Iowa hasn't been to a Sugar Bowl before. Mm-hmm. That, as a Hawkeye fan, it's so much fun. You so, get Michigan there for the first time ever. Oh, huge! You know, well, you've seen the ticket prices, right? They're they're crazy, for and me. they're not going down. No, I would guess until I don't Saturday. Think so I don't think so at all. So when you when you were at the Rose Bowl 2015, mm-hmm. uh, we we stayed at the same place. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what you did the nights leading up to it. I know what I did. Not sat in the bar. Right. Uh, was there a place where Hawkeye fans were hanging out? Because LA's so big. It is, yeah. I remember, what was it, two nights before, I think, was the Hawkeye huddle. Did and, you go to it? Yeah, everybody yeah. was at the convention center mm-hmm. for that. But outside of that, it was sporadic. Now, mm-hmm. we went to, what was it, the ship that was out there? And they had some kind of Hawkeye get-together on, on one of the big naval ships. And, so you did all of that stuff? Yeah, yeah. I like to get out, you know, be with the people. I'm not like you. <laughs> right. Sit in your room. No, I'm not in the bar, but... Bar, yeah, go back up to your room, room yeah. make sure you get a smoking room. I know how you are. It's all right. <laughs> but, yeah, I was out, did all those different things. But, again, L.A. is so big. And, oh, we're staying here, we're staying mm-hmm. here. You know, all my tailgate group, everybody was scattered across. It's not what you get in Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. What I, was I, the name of the joint that... Uh, I didn't stay there, but most people did it. When, the, when I played in the... Orange Bowl. What's the name of that big hotel? The, uh, the Fountain, Fountain Blue? Blue. Yeah, that's it. Yep. Was isn't that kind of a headquarters when you're when you're one of those southern? <laughs> but still not really. Right. I mean, it, and same thing. It's just yeah. such a huge spread out city. We had people all over the place. Mm-hmm. I had some people staying in Fort Lauderdale, and it's just different. Indianapolis is completely it's different. It's great. Yeah. And because of that, leading up to it, I would say if you're, eh, we'll get into the game. You know, late in the afternoon, have a couple pops before. Get there as early as you can. It's just mm-hmm. the lead up, the build up. The Big Ten also does a great job. They have like a fan fest set up. That was really, really cool. I was at the bar too long, so I didn't get to see a whole lot of it before the game in 2015. But those kind of things, the Big Ten really does do a good job with that on top of it. Well, and you're bringing the family. Those are the really cool things. Yeah, absolutely. You, you fire the football and di- yeah. different things that they have set up. It, it was a really cool experience, too. So I went to the Big Ten basketball championships mm-hmm. in Indianapolis. What year was that? 16 or 17? So I'm I'm assuming it's kind of the same yeah. as, as for the football, but that would that was a pretty fun experience as well. But as opposed to twenty thousand people, you yeah, got sixty five thousand. That's people. a great point. We will take our first time out, switch gears, do the NFL with two of the regionals. We're gonna try and get Paul Allen this week for you Viking fans. That was a tough game against the Niners. Yeah. Boy, tiebreaker wise, you needed that one. Dalvin Cook now gonna miss a couple of games. Uh, hopefully, we're gonna have PA later in the week. But we've got uh, Jeff Hughes on the Bears and Dave Sindikin on the Packers. 
hour number two, Mike Palm from Circus Sports. He's a Notre Dame grad. What does he think? Also does a show on Vissen each and every day. And then uh, Pete Futek from collegefootballnews.com. Miller and Condon are underway on a Tuesday on Des Moines Sports Station 106.3. Back to Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. We take you up until noon. Dave Sinek and TheHeadCheese.com uh, coming up here in about oh, six or eight minutes, thereabouts, um, as we will take a look at those first-place Green Bay Packers. By the way, the Cubs have uh, realized that you can sign players. They've just signed catcher Jan Gomes uh, to a two-year deal. Don't know what that means if it's um, basically... Um, someone in case Contreras walks out the yeah. door or whatever happens there. Gomes is now a cub, according to Twitter. Jeff Hughes, TheBearsBlog.com. He joins the program. Hello, Jeff Hughes. Trenton Ken, how are you? I'm doing well, guys. If you're talking baseball, I live about a couple of miles from City Field, where the New York Mets are now the hottest commodity in all of baseball. How about that uh, That one-two pitching staff? Who starts on opening day? DeGrom. It has uh, to if, be, if right? DeGrom, if DeGrom is healthy, it's DeGrom. Yeah. He's He's a he's like a she's like a hero around here, yeah. and uh, everybody walking around my neighborhood wears a Degrom jersey. So, <laughs> but I will say it's 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 an exciting it's an exciting town to be in. New York is when both teams are relevant, mm-hmm. and I hope they're both relevant. How far was uh, is this now City Field from Shea Stadium, where it was? Oh, it's, it's across the parking. That's why I thought so, it was close, they're, right? They're, they're, yeah, they're in the exact same. They're almost mm-hmm. in the exact same location. Uh, but City Field, and for your listeners who who ever come here, if you have a choice to go to either City Field or the New Yankee Stadium, they're not comparable. The New <laughs> City Field is a beautiful ballpark, yeah. and Yankee Stadium looks like it belongs in Disney World. It is a plastic ballpark. Yeah. It is. They have destroyed the experience of that building. But City Field is a wonder. It is a. It's one of the best. Uh, sports facilities I've ever been in. Yeah, it's too bad because the the original Yankee Stadium, and I got uh, there a handful of times, and just the history, just knowing who played on that field uh, throughout the years. I got to Shea Stadium as well. I'm glad I did. It was different. Yeah. Um, but, <laughs> different. <laughs> we'll put it that way. Shea was different. Yeah, yeah indeed. Yeah. So let's get to the Bears. Uh, and what we saw and what we think we're going to see uh, going forward. Uh, it's, I mean, what, let's get an update first of all on Fields. When do you anticipate that he'll be uh, ready to play again? And I'm assuming he'll get that opportunity when he is, although maybe I shouldn't assume that. When, when, when's the prognosis for him getting back? I mean, all expectations were is that he'll practice this week and play on Sunday. Really? Uh, that, is, that has been the hope all along throughout the last 10 to 12 days. I think they will be conservative. So if he's not 100%, yeah. I don't see them putting him out there. But um, this organization finds themselves at a very strange spot right now. You've got a coach desperate to win any games he can win. You've got a, a, an organization that needs to be completely focused on developing the young quarterback. I would not be surprised if Nagy goes the conservative route and lets Fields sit another week. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it'll be a health concern. I think... I think it'll be Nagy sort of erring on the side of, let me just put the, the quarterback out there who's got a full feel for the game and see if I can snake a victory over a, a far better Cardinals team. 
So we wait for the quarterback to be back, the future of Andy Dalton, what that's going to be, on and on and on. But, of course, it's about bringing in the right guy to mold Justin Fields, what he is going to be. So do you have a list? Do you have a group of guys that you think would make the most sense to become the next head coach and with it, really, the quarterback coach for Justin Fields? The guy is Jim Harbaugh. Uh, Mm. The guy has always been Jim Harbaugh for this organization. Mm. It is Jim Harbaugh's dream job. He has said that when he comes, if he were to leave Michigan for the NFL, mm-hmm. uh, that the Bears would be the, the team with the most appeal. Uh, I, I have been rooting for Michigan, and I'm not really sure if I should be or I shouldn't be. I'm just trying to figure out what gets him out of college football the quickest. Um, maybe a national championship. But I think Jim Harbaugh has simply shown in his NFL career, which was highly successful, he is a great staff guy. He hires brilliant staff at every step of his career. He was successful with both Alex Smith. He was successful with Colin Kaepernick. He's shown he can mold all different kinds of players. He also loves that power run game, which should still be the base of what the Chicago Bears do, primarily because their field's never going to get better, and they're never going to be able to run routes effectively. So you need to have that power run game, and I think he's the guy. I don't know where the Bears are going to go. It really does depend on what Ryan Pace's role is in this organization moving forward. I think they're still up in the air about whether they want him to be reassigned within the organization, whether he keeps his job. There is a belief in some parts of ownership that the roster is not performing up to its ability. There is another part of ownership that says, has Pace really done enough to warrant making this a drama? Why not just clean house, Mm -hmm. bring in a coach and a GM who can work together on building the next wave of the team around Justin Fields? It's, very much up in the air. But my, my list is Jim Harbaugh. After that, I think all these coordinators and assistant coaches, they're just crapshoots. You don't know. No one knows if these guys are going to pan out. So I, I like a proven guy and a guy who's won. Uh, and would would the GM have to be in place prior to that? I mean, would that, would that if it is Harbaugh, wouldn't he want to know who's hiring him? I would not hire the GM before I hired Harbaugh. I, I would, and I wrote about this a little bit on, on Monday, I would make the, the head coach the alpha. I, I think this is the new system okay. that works in the NFL. The Sean Payton, Andy Reid, Bill Belichick, even Kyle Shanahan. You make the head coach the front man for the organization. You know, Sean McVay working with Les Snead out there in L.A. Find the personnel guy who complements what the coach wants to do. So the coach doesn't have to do that work. But they, are, they have a, a hand in all of that work. So, if, and by the way, and if you're hiring Harbaugh, I would imagine – He's going to want say in who's choosing his players. He is not going to want to come to an organization and have another Trent Baalke situation, which he had in San Francisco. So, listen, if, if I were the Bears, and I, I don't know that they're thinking this way. I know they like Jim Harbaugh a lot. That's where my focus would be. And whatever it takes to get that guy to come back to the NFL and coach this team is what they should do because they need that stability and they need that proven successful record. We see uh, Tevin Jenkins has until, I believe it's Monday, that they can activate him off the injured list and have him be able to play this season. Of course, a a big piece you'd think of the future, a tackle, not a left tackle, but a right tackle that could be an impact piece going forward and helping protect Justin Fields. What are you hearing on him, the tendency to bring him back, or considering it's feeling like a lost season, do you just say, let's get ready for year number two for you and uh, go next season? No, I think they're going to bring him back. And I think he's working his tail off to get back. And I think the Bears want to see, uh, certainly the personnel department wants to see 
Tevin Jenkins and Larry Borum on those two tackles for, for Justin Fields. And uh, it won't, I don't think it's going to happen in the next couple of weeks, but I could see the final two or three games seeing what the future of this offense is going to look like, seeing a Justin Fields, Tevin Jenkins, uh, Larry Borum, Cole Komet, Darnell Mooney, the focus of the roster will start to shift dramatically to next year. That'll be tough on the coaching staff yep. who aren't going to be here. But at the same point, I do think Tevin Jenkins wants to get those reps in this year because if the Bears come out of this season, come out of this draft with a quarterback and two tackles, I mean, Ryan Pace has an argument to make when he goes into ownership and says, listen, guys, I think I just have my best draft. And I think that this draft is the foundation for the future. Let me continue to develop the personnel around these guys. I think Pace will push it in that direction because he wants to see uh, the fruits of this draft on the field this year. So in our final 15 seconds, probably the back-to-back prime timers is when we'll see Fields Sunday night in Arizona or in Green Bay and then the following week when they host the Vikings at home. Is that what you're thinking? My, my guess right now is Fields will do everything to play this week, but I think it will be one more week before they let him start again. Jeff Hughes, thebearsblog.com. Jeff, thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Good to talk to you, Jeff Hughes, on the Bears. Dave Sinekin, who uh, his team that he covers, the Green Bay Packers, go into their bye week surgery. Will he or won't he get it? Uh, Dave Sinekin, theheadcheese.com. You can hear him, Packer Preview, on Sunday mornings on KFAN, our sister station up in the Twin Cities. Dave, Trent, and Ken, thank you for coming on. Uh, f- fun football game. A g- game that really, I mean, were, was there a time that you're thinking, boy, oh, boy, I um the Rams got a good chance to come back and get this one. I never felt that, Dave. Did you? No, I didn't. Green Bay felt like they were in control. They, you know, controlled the ball 40 minutes out of 60. That's pretty dominant. But, you know, whenever you get it down to a one-score game, and Green Bay certainly has a nightmarish history with onside kicks, so only in the final closing moments did I just start to worry about the unthinkable. But for the most part of that afternoon, Green Bay felt like the better team. They certainly did, and they did it with the MVP, Aaron yeah. Rodgers. And He's in the hunt, for sure. It's a vote. You know, there, there's no statistical model that's going to put it out there, knowing, obviously, what happened with the vaccine and everything happening there. How difficult do you think it's going to be for Aaron Rodgers to win the MVP? Well, you know, probably not as difficult as it might have appeared five or six weeks ago. I, I think it's probably going to come down to how these teams finish the next five or six weeks, you know, Patrick Mahomes regains his form and Kansas City climbs atop the suddenly kind of flailing AFC a little bit, or Josh Allen writes the ship after what we saw on Thanksgiving and Buffalo gets the one seed. I think those guys certainly have a chance, but I think Rodgers is probably back in the mix yeah. uh, because, you know, the way things are falling, if, if Green Bay can get a couple guys back, they may end up at that number one seed and the MVP tends to go to the winningest team. So, He's back in the mix. I wouldn't have thought that possible four, five, six weeks ago. I'm with you. Uh, Rasul Douglas, what a story. I mean, um, for those of you of us that don't know, and he's just a placeholder, right? Although when, when Alexander gets back, you got to find a place for this guy, I would assume. I mean, he's lingering on a practice squad, and his impact on this football team – I know Gary was really good, and Dylan offensively was really good. Uh, but how big was that? How big was the pick six by by Douglas, and 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 how did they get him? Yeah, that pickup by Brian Gutekunst may have saved the Packers season quite literally, because without Jair Alexander and with Kevin King being such a hot and cold, and if not hot or cold, he's injured cornerback. They're relying on their first round pick, and then 
you know, a bunch of veteran cast-offs. I mean, they really had nothing. And uh, he identified Rasul Douglas off the Arizona Cardinals practice squad. Now, Douglas has played four or five years in this league, and he played for the Eagles when they won their Super Bowl, was a starting quarterback for them. So he's got some chops. He's played okay. big games. You know, it's just one of those round robins where players get hurt, they fall out of favor, and they have to climb their way back. And the way practice squads have now been set up, veterans can kind of languish there uh, where it used to be for younger players. And uh, he has been a revelation. I just saw Pro Football Focus's defensive grades for this past week. He was the second highest rated cornerback in the league behind Mike Hilton. And yes, he had the pick six. Uh, which gets all the headlines. And, yeah, he made the play that saved the game against Arizona. Arizona yeah. So he's had two game-changing moments. But he's been really good play in and play out while the Packers wait and hope for a Jair Alexander. And it's just one of those little under-the-radar moves that gets made midseason by a lot of teams. They look for guys, and, and the front office in Green Bay really hit uh, Rasul Douglas. He is playing at a level that has really given this uh, defense a chance to do what they want to do. You want – you want to have cornerbacks who can cover and not worry about them, and that's what they typically have. Uh, with him back there, uh, everything seems to click. You couldn't drop a better schedule here. Oh How God. banged up this team is. Yeah. You get the bye here, a late-season bye. Bears at the Ravens, who are not playing great themselves. Browns, Vikings, Lions to finish up. It's all set up there. I know right now Arizona has the lead on them in the standings, but of course head-to-head, as everybody will play 17 games this year. Got to feel great right now. Mm-hmm. What does consider, short of injuries, what does still concern you when you look at the stretch run? Well, I can't really think of much beyond injury. <laughs> right. I think the team's playing yeah. at a really good level. Yeah. And they've got you know, depth at key positions, and they've shown that. You know, I think getting the guys back is one thing. It, it's all about Aaron Rodgers' toe. If he could manage that pain, he's elected not to have surgery. That was announced yesterday during the spy week. I guess he could have had a procedure that would have allowed him to play the following Sunday night against Chicago. But... There's always problems with surgery. You never know how that's going to go. And clearly, uh, Aaron has let us know that he doesn't always like science and, <laughs> and conventional medicine. So maybe that was an easy call for him. So any lingering toe issue that could bother him as the days get colder and the Packers play a lot of cold games, there's there's really just the Detroit finale is the last warm weather game or, or neutral weather game Green Bay is going to have. So I'm really just concerned about that toe. I think otherwise, even with injuries, uh, it can't be worse than it's been, right? I mean, Randall Cobb leaves with a groin injury after getting 95 yards in the first half against the Rams. Uh, he seems to be the only guy they lost of substance this past week. But, you know, from Elton Jenkins, you know, every week it seems like they lost a big player for the season. So just maybe the luck turning a little. I know Green Bay is not the only team that's been hit hard, but, you know, there's a handful that have. Green Bay's weathered it well, but uh, number 12's health is obviously paramount. Oh boy, I'll say Christmas Day, Cleveland, Green Bay, Lambeau, 3.30 kickoff on the 25th. Should be fun. I'm looking That's at it. It, it really is. Is Baltimore, in your mind, the Trent just went over him at Baltimore? Is that the, is that the toughest spot, maybe? Yeah, I think it has to be. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've got three home games. Two of them are division games. Um, but they tend to win those at Detroit season finale. And, and in Cleveland on Christmas Day, I, I just think, you know, with Lamar Jackson posing the, the kind of problems for a defense that is hard to plan for, they just moved that game from noon to 325, which is fitting because that's going to be a great matchup uh, in a few weeks. But, yeah, I think that's the toughest one. Uh, but they kind of match up well for Green Bay because they're really good against the run, and Green Bay does like to run the ball. But if, if you're forced to pass, and, and Baltimore's terrible against the pass yeah. this year, 
I think the Packers are equipped to move the ball through the air too. So I worried about Lamar Jackson's legs. Um, but, you know, frankly, after watching Baltimore the last few weeks, it's hard for me to believe it's going to be a game I'm going to be real frightened of once we get to it. Unless it comes down to a big kick, and then I'll take Tucker. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can, that's for sure. <laughs> Dave Sinekin, theheadcheese.com is his blog. Uh, you can hear him on Sunday mornings, Packer previews, also on Saturdays up on KFA in the morning as well. Dave, we'll give you next week off. Uh, talk to you in a couple of weeks. Thank you, Dave Sinekin. Appreciate it. Yeah, and just uh, a quick note, my show moves to 8 o'clock after the buy, so everybody gets to sleep in a little bit, which I'm very happy Nice. For. I don't blame you one bit. You know what? We might impose with Bears and Packers coming up on the 12th. Maybe we'll do something later on in the week. Thank you, Dave. Anytime. See you guys. Yeah, appreciate it. Dave Sinekin, headcheese.com. Uh, final time out, hour number one. We're Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3. Back to Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. Hi, Miller and Condon. Welcome back. Reminds me of the Cubs in their glory days. Oh, yes. Um, Eddie Vedder. That's right. So how we're going to get Eddie Vedder here at some point. You back think? in the state of Iowa. Every time we talk with the I-Cubs and, of course, our, our man over there, also a big Pearl Jam fan, we always have that talk. It's not a real big venue for Pearl Jam, but that Wrigley Field experience still my favorite concert. I've ever is been it? To. Yeah, just because of the setting. Part. Yeah, it was really cool. Yeah. The set list was incredible. Right, it was Pearl Jam. It was my first time seeing them live. One of my favorite bands ever. It was just kind of it was all encompassing. It was a fun day. I was remember at the Little League World Series. Oh sure, I was out yeah. there covering that Johnston yeah. team, which has been crazy right. now. Watching those kids. That was what, 2016? I think that sounds yeah. right. Now playing at the varsity level for Johnston Baseball. Wild. As I followed them out there. And yeah, flew into Chicago then on my way back. Met my buddies. Had just a great day. Mm-hmm. Did just not a wink of sleep and had just an incredible day. We got to get them in Iowa. We got to get them. How awesome that would be at Principal Park. Um, speaking of high school sports, you will dip your toe for the first time in the high school basketball tonight, right? Yeah, going to see uh, the new Waukee Northwest now. Many of the names that were on the team from a year ago have departed. Of course, some of the biggest names, including Omaha Baloo, who's still in college, though not in our state anymore, as he's playing at a prep school. But Price Sanford, little brother, mm-hmm. uh, he will be out there now, an upperclassman as a junior. Uh, he'll be out there. Calderman uh, played a little bit last year. A couple other names made the move up to Waukee Northwest. And going to be kind of a new venue there, going up against Valley. And I continue to hear... BJ's got a squad that might be the favorites to win the state yeah, championship well, this year. You will see him with your own two eyes. And unlike football, that high school football that aired on the Bull, right. high school basketball is back here, right? Back here, yeah. Right Good. after the fantasy football show tonight, I'll take the air. Uh, 7.45 is when they estimate tip, probably closer to 8 o'clock. And right after those guys wrap up, we'll go right into tip-off tonight, the Tigers and the Wolves. So... Not knowing your schedule for as far as high school basketball, a handful of games between yeah, now got and... three till we get to Christmas time okay. on the schedule. Uh, also looking at maybe getting a wrestling meet in there, just trying to work through the schedule. Of course, we got Iowa State women and mm-hmm. the Wolves, and we got a wild, wild game. Yeah. So always a busy schedule during the winter time. But we'll pick and choose. We'll find some spots, and also going to be partnering again with CISN. So a lot of oh, those good. games also not tonight, but going forward, going to have some of those games also available with the video stream with Pete Tarpey and the fine folks at. Central Iowa Sports Network. Speaking of the Iowa Wild, Marco Rossi, who is the gem, and he's down here for a while. He took a bad, he, he fell off, uh, 
face first in the ice. Really? Yeah, uh, I saw it on Twitter. It seemed like he, he took most of the brunt with the side of his face, so I don't know if he's concussed. But mm-hmm. it, it, look, when he does get back on the ice, if you like hockey, th- this kid's not going to be long for Des Moines. Yeah, he's he's going to the, he's going to the uh, show uh, sooner rather than later. How I are the Wilds doing? The Iowa Wild. I don't know. Yeah, I know how the Minnesota Wild are doing, and that's very well. Yes, they are. That's uh, they're right on top of the division. My squad trend. The Jets. They played the worst team in hockey last night. Mm-hmm. Arizona. Their, the Arizona's goalie was one and nine in his last ten. Winnipeg outshot them forty-eight to fifteen. Oh, that's one. Them. Yeah, yeah. One nothing Arizona. <laughs> Unbelievable. Anyways. That'll do it for Hockey Talk for the day. Hey, we got our 30 seconds in. Yeah, it's more than you gave Brinson for NBA Talk. That's right. Uh, and deservedly so. We will start hour number two with our friend Mike Palm from Circus Sports. He's a Notre Dame grad. Pick his brain on that and the uh, championships, that uh, the numbers that have come out and subsequently adjusted. And then more college football talk as we take you until noon on Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO.